Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought-provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta. Welcome on the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today, I have Chase as Joseph on the show, ego hacker, personality expert, rant master supreme. I had to have you on my podcast <laughs> because once you get going with your rants, you're on fire. How are you doing, man? Good. Just uh, celebrated my birthday yesterday. My team won the Super Bowl. Even though the Super Bowl, let's be honest, it's fixed because it's like the WWE and are you not entertained? And the officials basically won the game for Tom Brady. So it doesn't actually really matter. But whatever. So yeah, I'm doing good. And how did you like the Satanism in the halftime show? Oh, I was quite triggered. And for some reason, I don't know why, but the singer's hair, for some reason, people think like that's actually attractive and it's not. And uh, that guy would be better off just shaving all of that off his head. And let's be honest, I, I don't. I don't really think so. And then, you know, on top of that, like, yeah, let's just wear all black and just some random you know, very sparkly red jacket. And it's like, okay, wow, apparently this person knows fashion, okay? He's probably just some NP who is relying on other people to tell him what actually looks good. Or maybe he's that guy who just yells at people in the green room consistently. I don't know. Either way, the halftime show is one of the worst I've ever seen. I mean, Janet Jackson's costume failure would have been way better than that. You know, like, come on. Let's be honest, but that that was a horrible halftime show. And quite frankly, I think the Super Bowl, if not the NFL, has become quite the mockery of what it used to be. Because, you know, hey, we have to give the American public hope and we have to make sure that they're all happy as much as we can because with through this difficult time. So we got to give them a show, et cetera. And it's just like, wow, you're literally it's literally that moment like, you know, when society is crashing around you and you're just trying to get people to like uh, just view the entertainment. You don't you don't see that the thing is just go exploding right before your eyes. You know, it's okay. We're burning the constitution behind the curtain, but hey, go watch Tom Brady. It's all good, you know? And it's just like, okay, wow, what what a very appropriate testament to um the the zenith of our culture. Yeah, that zeitgeist really fascinates me, like how people are really clinging on to hope and expecting somebody else to provide a solution, even though that we see in like a year that despite who you like or not, that they're not going to provide you like help, you have to do it yourself. But it's like a cursed box of Pandora. <laughs> they cling to the hope and it's not solving any, any issues, taking that self-responsibility. And also what I see you talking about, sometimes people say things, they dress in a way to provoke reactions. But then when you say your blunt, honest truth, they don't like it. You know, they do it for reactions, but only the positive reactions, which makes hey, it difficult. They even make podcasts about you. They even make podcasts, man. It's just like, oh, this guy's horrible. And it's like, well, you admitted in the podcast that like I paid you and treated you well. Okay. Thank you for making me look good and increasing sales, I, I guess. <laughs> why find, why, why do people find it so hard to take in honest truth? I think the reason is like here's an example actually i I like to um Google things uh from time to time. let's here it is here it is here we go. I think that uh I think the best example to answer that comes from one of my favorite quotes, which comes from second Timothy chapter four, 
And, you know, it's like, uh, hey, you know, the time will come when people will not put up with sound teaching or doctrine and instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You know, like, for example, no one wants to hear that the medical community like classified transgenderism as gender dysphoria, a.k.a. a mental illness. No one wants to hear about that. And this happened in the early 1900s. But then apparently the narrative can change today just because, hey, let's just uh, gather around us a bunch of uh, teachers who uh, look credible and have credentials to say what uh, my itching ears want to hear. And I want to hear that transgenderism is perfectly natural and definitely a choice and, you know, is not a mental illness, et cetera, even though the entire scientific and mental uh, medical community for hundreds of years has said otherwise. But apparently we could just change that arbitrarily. That's okay. You know what's we, interesting we about that? that? I'm actually just reading about this topic in the book, The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. And what is actually a transgender? What is actually the definition of it? Is it someone who just identifies? Is it somebody who takes hormones? Is it somebody who does a sex change? That's a very fluid definition. It used to be transsex. Now it's like transgender. So even that, there's no like concluding sound research at the moment to like define what it is or which brain regions it is, et cetera. So there still is debate about it, but they act like it's, it's fixed. I would offer that society supports it from the narrative of going out of their way to promote the hidden, I don't know how to say it, but it's a its a hidden subconscious or unconscious Malthusianism that is within the basis of society itself. And this comes from the principles outlined within the UN agenda for the 21st century, because within a UN agenda for the 21st century, you see how a society is organized in such a way as to limit births and increase deaths as much as possible. Because the Malthusians of the world, who were the people who wrote UN Agenda 21, maintained that uh, population growth is indicative of destroying the planet Earth. And as a result of this, our population will be capping out at 11 billion. You can just look this up. This is very widely known. Mm -hmm. And every nation on the planet has negative population growth right now as a result of this setup, with the exception of Africa. But then again, that's why you have people like Bill Gates just, you know, vaccinating uh, children right now in Africa. And then you see tons of articles and tons of posts on on how like those people are dying, you know, as a result of that. So they're doing their best to try to reduce the population growth within Africa and kind of interesting. But as uh, as those who like to criticize the Malthusians, why are they doing it? Well, because if they if they don't stop, then uh, the prophecy given to Abraham will come true and they can't let that happen because the population of the earth has to reach a certain size in order for the earth and the world to come. And if you freeze the population by reducing it, then the end of the world can't come or whatever. I, I don't know. That's just I mean, that could be pretty hokey and woo-woo for a lot of people. Well, it's fine. There's, but, there's like no taboo in my podcast at all. Yeah. Is it that that people purposely are steering towards the end of times and then destroying anything that provides a stable foundation, let's say, male, female, masculinity, femininity, the nuclear family, white values, black values, whatever, and just destroying any kind of stable foundation or affiliation within people to then create chaos? Or what is, what's your opinion well, about it? Well, you have, to, you have to destroy the mature masculine. You have to, because this is effectively what happens uh, in the book of Genesis, actually, when you're looking at uh, the serpent uh, and the serpent being, you know, the alpha seed to Eve, and then Eve screwed the serpent, got pregnant with 
Cain, and then she got scared that God was going to replace her with another woman. She couldn't stand the thought of another woman making Adam more happy than her. So then she seduced Adam and then screwed Adam. She got pregnant with Abel, their fraternal twins, etc. in that situation. But the bottom line is you have a being like the serpent, which Adam had absolutely no chance. He had way more knowledge, way more knowings of like literally everything. The serpent was like the dopest, basically, in her eyes. And it was easy for her to have her hypergamy, you know, lead her in the direction of what she perceived as alpha seed in the eyes of the serpent. It makes a lot of sense, which we see much later ends up giving birth to the Nephilim because the, quote, sons of God, a.k.a. the angels, you know, coming down to the earth and having sexual relations with women, which, you know, ended up they die in childbirth, giving birth to these giants, these uh, these heroes of old, known as the Nephilim, etc., But then you also understand if you're going to look even further within biblical prophecy, you know that there's a war in heaven right now. And the archangel Michael's just about to throw out the devil and his fallen angels from which hasn't happened yet. Yeah, And even in uh, Greek society, they castrated like uh, Kronos to start like civilization. So it's almost like they're, they're castrating Western civilization at the moment. Exactly. I mean, even even you can even argue the spirit of Jezebel, which is also another biblical concept, is actually what the Bible is calling feminism, the spirit of Jezebel. Because Jezebel, a false prophetess, in order to like be in her inner circle as a man, you had to be castrated. You had to become a eunuch, basically. And that's literally the entire point. But my the main point I was alluding to is that like I, I like to think that the that humanity is being prepared for their arrival after they're kicked out of the celestial areas by the archangel michael because i maintain that the nephilim are likely to return or at least are at high risk of returning when that happens and in order for that to happen the mature masculine and all the men on the earth have to essentially be castrated by the spirit of jezebel and ultimately the feminism that we have which is causing a horrible situation a horrible result because it's a lot easier to conquer I mean, the earth is way easier to conquer when men don't have the cult of the mature masculine to adhere to, which forces all men to be actually men and to prove their manhood consistently, such that they demand of society, I am a man and I demand to be treated like one, which means when they have that point of view, if society disagrees with the cult of mature masculine, the cult of the mature masculine will overthrow society itself, but they can't allow that to happen. That's the bottom line. The mature masculine cannot exist or else the mature masculine will establish, will challenge the establishment and it will lead to war. That's well, why. Yeah, this is when I take a look at what's going on right now, I take a look at it a bit as the devouring mother, the overprotective mother, that when you would say that men are more racial logic, women are more emotions, men are more long-term thinking, women are more short-term thinking, men are in general more pragmatic, women are more affiliative. When we take a look at how the world is being valued right now, the leadership, it's all on the toxic feminine way. If we have to use the word toxic, it's all affiliative, short-term thinking, emotions. It's based on exceptions, not on principles. It's based on subjectivity. So it's a lot of judged on these female values cloaked under the guise of like, mommy knows best. Mommy knows best for you. Would you like to know my my favorite favorite subjective uh, principle right now? That's my favorite one. This is like, hey, you know, it's my body, my choice. So you have to let me abort a child. And then I'm like, great, you can abort a child, but you better not shove a uh, COVID-19 vaccine Mm -hmm. on me because it's my body, my choice. Like, wow. Oh, but you're saying you can't do that? Well, you're a hypocrite then and you're a liar. Like, seriously. 
And that is definitely, that should give any real man cause to attempt to overthrow your government. And this is every government on the planet that is bending the knee to the world system. What I see right now is normally normally you birth a child into the world and make it mature. I see now an agenda where they're trying to make mature human beings infantile. It's the other way around. They don't like humans being birthed and growing mature, growing resilient, taking risks, developing themselves. That's also why we see that nanny state, overprotective caretaker taking over of all the decisions and let me take that freedom away from you because I know better, which is a a very dangerous tendency. Also, when the affiliative gets a bit perverted, that's why you often compare the perverted uh, affiliative to to communism, right? Yeah. I mean, it's even, it's, it's getting even worse than that. I mean, if just like, I mean, now we're in the age of Aquarius, you know, as certain people like Keith Thompson has stated is the age of evil. Fantastic ISTJ researcher. I recommend anyone go to YouTube and watch Age of Aquarius, Age of Evil, which explains the entire theology behind those who maintain Malthusianism, people like Bill Gates, Hillary Clinton, etc., even uh, George H.W. Bush, these these people in terms like from the American outlook. But then you can see the same thing with Tony Blair or Boris Johnson or any of these people, you know, within the UK. And it goes even further, right down to uh, Angela Merkel or Emmanuel Macron and uh, these people. But uh, it, they're all the same. They all follow the exact same doctrine. And the doctrine is we're going to do our best to set up society in such a way where everyone is dependent upon it. They're creating dependency on the world system. Survival skills are not taught. Combat skills in most places on the earth are not taught. So they can't challenge the world system. I mean, every time you spend a dollar or use a euro or a British pound, you are participating in the world system. Every time you cast a vote, you are participating in the world system. And for those of you out there who consider yourself spiritual, if you're a Muslim or you claim to be a Christian, then you are, in effect, committing idolatry and you don't even know it with the world system. You know, the, the concept of a city itself and living in a city puts a human being at risk of being an idolater because if you are living in a city, all of your needs are met in one place, technically. So which means you don't have to live by faith anymore because if you're living out in the wilderness, you would have to live by faith, but you don't have to. And because of that, that puts you at risk of committing idolatry. And this goes all, you know, this supports all the archetypical, uh, what is supported by this is all the archetypical themes of like the Tower of Babel, for example, Babylon itself, the Babylonian nature, or the mystery Babylon religion, which is the first religion on this planet, which is heavily researched by Bill Cooper, which you could still listen to his Hour of the Time podcast on uh, YouTube before he was murdered for a while. You know, like it's it's all there I, I, and no. I, yeah, you know what? Compared to what you said about uh, the Garden of Eden, in a way, and some people don't know that, that there were two trees in the Garden of Eden, the, the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. In a way, they're trying to take over the Garden of Eden by first having that tree of knowledge and deciding what's right and what's wrong, playing God. Like, you can say this, you can do this, and anything else is wrong, which is playing God. If they're going to program AI, they have to program morals into it. So they're going to play God by deciding what is okay and what is not okay. And then you have the transhumanist agenda, trying to become immortal, like more the tree of life, like, you know, combining the two. And in the end, giving up humanity to become something... Yeah, satanic or that takes over the 
the individual choice, the individual morals, the negotiated truth, you know, the, the, the fact of facing death, which makes us feel alive. All these things that actually are essentially human, they're like anti-human in a way. Yeah, it's, it's basically freezing humanity in time, basically making humanity a form of undead, basically. And by doing this, then, you know, the princes or the, the powers and principalities of this dark world that control this world, that lead this world, the people, those forces at which the, um, um, the elite bow before consistently and have made their Faustian deal with, as a result of that, you know, all of humanity is literally being treated and will soon be tagged like cattle. I mean, an example of that is the COVID-19 vaccine. It's literally the first step of conditioning people into accepting that they, they can be tagged. It's okay to be tagged, you know, et cetera. They're literally being conditioned right now. This is all just psychological conditioning, the entire thing. And as much as, you know, the coronavirus epidemic or pandemic or whatever is literally no different than Adolf Hitler burning down the Reichstag building mm -hmm. to raise to power. There's no difference. Or there's no difference than engineering 9-11 to happen so that we could have the Patriot Acts as well as foreign wars at the same time for what? For lithium? Because that's what we got out of Afghanistan? Great. You know, or, you know, what else did we get from Iraq? A nice base of operations to be able to potentially challenge Iran afterwards? Great. Great. Wahoo. That's, that's just fantastic. My theory is, and I have several theories about it, but the one that is most likely to me is that they needed a, an event that is presented as urgent and, and very serious enough to have people have take, take the first step into having technology be part of the body or tracking and tracing. And the first time to do is always the most difficult thing, right? And then people say like, oh, but I already have that tracking and tracing for this, so I might as well do this. So to mm -hmm. just get people acquainted with it and the first step, the gateway drug into it is always the biggest battle because once people are used to it, they're like, okay, I already do this. It's a part of my life right now. So I think that is why it's so important to take that step towards technology on the body, technology then in the body, and then in the end, technology before our eyes and our perception. So we are- Well, that's why we're told to wear masks. Everyone's told to wear masks specifically for that reason. It's, it's, the, it's the first step in the conditioning. And you have to understand it. It's like an Overton window. Things are being moved. You put a frog in a kettle and you turn up the heat slowly and then the frog will eventually die. But if it's already boiling and you put the frog in there, the frog's going to jump out. That's literally, that's literally how humanity works. And the elite that run the world know that's the case. It's like, oh, Mr. C.S. Joseph, are you saying that like the coronavirus is fake? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's fake. I also mm -hmm. don't know if it's real. I don't know. I don't know. Well, all these people say so. And I'm like, yeah, but you can get anyone to agree on anything, especially if you pay them. It's not that hard. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on there. What I do know is what people are getting out of it, though. That's what I do know. I know what people are getting out of it. I know what their interests are. And if I was running the world, you did, you better believe this is exactly what I would be doing to people. If I if I was a member of elite, you better believe I'd be treating you like cattle. You better believe I would be tagging you like cattle and hurting you like cattle and following Cass Sunstein's complete life system so that you can only live no longer than 72 and you will be euthanized at 72, whether you like it or not, because all of your needs will be provided by me ahead of time throughout your whole life because that's the deal you're making with me. I get to choose the date of your death in exchange for all of your needs being met, right? I also get to choose who is born too, and when and to whom. I also get to make that decision. 
because that's what you get when you participate in my world system. But before you're born, the deck is stacked against you because I'm already setting things up so that you're dependent on the world system the second you're born anyway. So you don't really get a choice. Therefore, you always have to bow before me. Always. Them while they are young. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how, don't you think that some people will go to extreme lengths to get more power, money, and influence? What is a conspiracy theory? People conspiring to get something done? Haven't you seen people conspiring even on a small level to get something done or do a petition or get together? Well, that's on a very low level. For me, it's weird that people can't imagine that some people will go to extreme lengths to get an extreme amount of more power, influence, and control. Well, that's why the mature masculine and the mature feminine has effectively been destroyed. The cult of the mature masculine is destroyed. The cartel of the mature feminine has been destroyed because if men or women were actively participating in those, then they would understand that those all are basically a gender conspiring together for success compared to the other gender. The thing is, is that the genders are so complementary that it wouldn't actually be success over the other. It really wouldn't. But people just don't understand that. And you can't have those mature masculine the mature ma- or mature feminine situations whatsoever, or else people will know that that's kind of how the world works. I mean, I used to run an intelligence network with 70 agents working for me 24-7 with a team of analysts and a bunch of military decision makers. You know, we had so many things, you know, wiretapped information coming in 24 hours a day to be able to provide us with military decisions. Okay, where are we going to, where are we going to send our black ops team today? Where are we going to, what information is here? Uh, we need to get a fireside chat from a leader over here. They're going to be posting their state of the union over here. We need to go get that information. We need to t- dictate to certain news outlets, certain articles that need to be written so that we could um, have our narrative pushed out to the overall populace to get more people to join us or support us in our war efforts. You know, we need to pay off this guy so that he is a turncoat and is feeding us information. You know, we need to know as soon as their fleet is going to be coming into this location so we can drop our doomsday device and wipe them out instantly. So we know the exact moment in time to do it in the location. Like it was consistent. This was like, this was my life for like six years, you know, doing this on a consistent basis all the time, literally 24 hours a day and running it through discord, hilariously enough, (laughs) you know, and like, it's so easy. And, you know, as soon as people, you know, it's no different. Like, I mean, a business is people conspiring together for a common goal. Like, come on, like get over it. It's natural human behavior. It's just that they've created negative connotations for certain words, like words like manipulation in order to scare people. I mean, it's just like how much, you know, white men above all other people on the planet are demonized the most because when white men organize things like Hitler happen and then Hitler ends up challenging the world system and then all of a sudden you can't find anything on that's actually accurate from that society on the earth because it's been completely wiped from the face of the earth and history as we know it because we can't allow people to know or see alternatives whatsoever because we don't want another hitler on our hands right i mean that's just reality well i've been doing the same thing and this will be thought-provoking maybe what i'm going to say but i always take a look at both sides evil resides in everyone and part of like being good is knowing that that evil is within you so I'm not a fan of Hitler at all, but I also investigated like what happened after World War I, what gave rise to World War II, what were the atrocities in Poland, what were the atrocities of the Allies, 
evil doesn't just exist in one people. So to see action, reaction, action, reaction, mutual responsibility, but we live in such a polarized world where it seems like, oh, only Hitler was the ultimate evil. He's been replaced, you know, by Satan, basically, like the most evil is uh, Nazis or like Hitler. But when you take a look at the circumstances, you can also kind of see, don't agree, understanding is not the same as agreeing, their perspectives. And then people say, oh, what would have happened if Hitler wouldn't have existed? But I'll tell you, a massive invasion of Stalin in Europe. <laughs> I mean, the, the ignoring like that was there or that happened. And I just don't like one-sided views yeah. of things, you know. Oh, certainly. It's, uh, I mean, it's certainly all of their, there's, um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at nuclear weapons and how that technology was warped into something that it was. It was supposed to be providing us with unlimited energy. Instead, it was, you know, massive death and destruction. The thing is, is that you can't judge World War One or World War Two by today's ethics and morals. You just can't do that. It was actually very common, in fact, accepted, if not expected, of people to be racist in those days. So... Like, seriously, people need to, like, calm down because everyone is racist. I mean, this is pre-civil rights movement. Like, seriously, come on. And, you know, that's just, it was the norm. You have to judge the ethics and the morals of that day based on the context of that day and not today. That's not going to help. It's not going to help at all, especially since ethics and morals are so subjective as is. While morals are way less subjective, it's still subjective in general. It's weird that when I'm proud of a culture, people interpret it as I hate another culture. I don't hate another culture, but I'm proud of a national culture or Western culture or whatever. The same thing, I know you're a fan of it, and I'm reading his book right now, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. He also stresses like the value of each community and the strength of each community. Also, Muhammad Ali talked about it in the past. It's not I'm anti-something, it's just that I love certain things and differences between people. That makes our world feel alive and, and blossom with all those differences instead of making it a gray blob and making everything and everyone the same. Well, we can't allow that. We can't allow that at all. Because if you allow any culture to exist, then you, allow, you potentially allow nationalism to exist. And nationalism, if nationalism exists, then the world system is challenged. You cannot allow nationalism to exist on this earth whatsoever. This was Bush's new world order, and then this order is dying right now, and then an even newer one is, is around the corner. They call it the new normal, etc. And then this new, uh, you know, it'll be even more Babylonian than before. You are not allowed to be nationalist. You are not allowed to put your culture, and they'll, speak, and they'll just demonize you saying, oh, well, you're putting your culture over everybody else's, mm -hmm. etc. So it's just like this cultural communism. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I used to have somebody work for me, some ISFP woman. She's a Cajun. And she told me, you know, within one generation, no one will be speaking Acadian French anymore. It's gone. It'll be completely gone. And then you also look at, you know, Native American tribes losing their language, losing their culture, losing their customs, losing their traditions. These are the things that Malcolm X was specifically preaching against, likely why he was murdered. And as a result of that, like, because it comes down to we cannot allow anything to challenge the world system. We cannot allow that whatsoever. You can't challenge the beast. You know, the beast that we can easily see on uh, the back of the euro. Uh, there's a woman riding the back of a beast, just like that same woman riding on the back of a beast is in front of the European Parliament. But, you know, it's all good, right? You know, as long as everyone bows down before the world system, then it's fine. We have a lot of, you know, Christians and God worshippers and people who focus on evil, uh, on good, I mean, 
why has the evil always been able to hide in the shadows? And why do so many people believe in the power of good, but are not seeing the power or the addiction of evil? It's often not being stressed. The reason why, it's not because it's it's not so much a battle between good versus evil. It's actually a battle between unholiness and holiness. Holiness means to being complete and lacking nothing. It means people are being conditioned to li live in complete lives. If they were conditioned to live complete lives, good and evil doesn't matter. Good and evil, it's so antiquated at this point within our race. Because if you have the knowledge of good and evil, I mean, what's the point? Like, like who cares? Like, sometimes you have to do evil. Like, if you're a pragmatist like I am, you know, sometimes the ends do justify the means. That's just the reality. And as much as you people listening to this podcast right now are like, no, but you always have to do the right thing. I'm like, I'm sorry, but the right thing is so subjective that I'm not going to live my life by that area of subjectivity and you're not going to force me to live by it. I'm going to make whatever decision I want, however I want, whenever I want, because I'm a man and a man is free when he chooses to be. And I don't give a flying fuck about what your your interpretation of what the right thing is. Because, I mean, it was the right thing. Americans were taught that it was the right thing to go slaughter innocent Iraqis because of supposed yellow cake bullshit that uh, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction when that never actually was true. And the people who sold that narrative to the American public was never actually held responsible for it either. It just reminds me of <laughs> it just reminds me of uh, when George H. W. Bush died and how <laughs> people were celebrating and partying over that, or when John McCain died and people were celebrating and partying over that too. You know, it's just like because it's those, it's literally those people, and those in power just have no idea how much joy people have when they finally die over this just like charlie chaplin said you know so long as men die the people will always be free the problem is is that i see in our future that there's going to come a time where people will stop dying and when that happens then this is a, literally a slave world you always have you have to think about okay who's going to control that technology when people are not dying and then they get to choose who lives and dies and basically control the earth through uh, leveraging uh, humanity's fear of death what i want to test your uh any hero about like looking into the future and that makes me extremely worried about the future is i also believe in in a hegelian way in a pendulum swing in you know structure order but the thing that really worries me right now is what do you need for mind control you need control of behavior and control of perception the means to control behavior right now when you're willingly giving it to people and big organizations and the mean to control perception media mass media virtual reality has never been so big so if people are living in the matrix, you take away their freedom, right of protest, right of assembly, all those freedoms, can there still be a revolution, an anti-movement to swing the pendulum again to the other side, which happened always in history, or are we kind of lost A, and with the means of these massive production factories, if they produce robots with weapons that never sleep, and they can just film people, track them, keep them within that matrix, let's say, you don't have the freedom of speech, you don't have the critical thinking, you don't have the mass, you don't have the revolutions, you don't have the weapons. How can we still let the pendulum then swing to the other side, which happened a lot in history? What's your thought about that? The thing is, is that as much as the world system would like to think that they could have absolute 100% control over this planet, they will never have it. It's just the reality. They will never have it. As much as they can, there's always hope. An example of this is like there's a prophecy in Daniel chapter 8 and 9. There's also another prophecy in Revelation chapter 11. talks about the two witnesses. And the two witnesses will come and they will make war against the world system effectively. And they'll win. They will win. 
up until you know of course the antichrist kills after them all. a giant struggle <laughs> after a giant struggle i mean there's still a lot of prophecy that has to be fulfilled still like there's the ezekiel prophecy because damascus has never fallen in history and then you have Bashar al-Assad there right now, and then uh, Biden just deployed troops, et cetera, because Biden is serving at the at the because he's this ESTJ affiliative who's just being told to do what he does, and he listens, and then he's serving at the feet of the world system right now, deploying troops right now to Syria and whatnot, getting that. And we're about to go to war with Iran and Syria, so that prophecy will come true next, et cetera. It might lead to World War Three. Not sure. Who knows. And then, uh, but at that point, then you have the other prophecy of the uh, the lion with the the eagle wings and the eagle wings being torn off, and that's the third beast system, which is the current New World Order, the New World Order of George H. W. Bush, basically. And then its wings will be torn off and be forced to stand on its hind legs, and that's when it's defeated. The United States of America will have to basically either the Constitution burned to ashes, or it will have to be completely destroyed in a war. So I would imagine a kind of war doesn't have to play out this way, but a kind of war where Russia and China versus the USA, and both of them nuke each other out to the point where there's a huge power vacuum on the earth, and then Europe will finally take over as it is uh, fated to. And then once Europe finally takes over the earth at that point, then everyone will be that woman riding on the back of the beast, basically, as says on the coin, the euro coin, etc. And then when that happens, you know, there will be one war left, and I call it World War Saint, basically. And, the, rape, uh, the rape of Europe, right? That was like a myth, right? Europe and also the rape of Europe in the Greek myth. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, when that happens, even if someone has no weapons or nothing, like they'll, according to the stories, that is, um, supposedly, they'll have the spirit of Elijah. And this is the spirit of Elijah is basically like some kind of blessing from God that they just have to pray. And all of a sudden, like miracles start happening, you know, the kind where like, like there's these bunch of kids coming, coming at Elisha the prophet and making fun of him. Oh, hey, Baldy, blah, blah. And he got so angry at all these children that he like literally called a curse upon them and a bear showed up and ate them and like killed them all instantly. You know, like that kind, like that's going to be the new weapons of the future, that kind of stuff, because that's all people will have, you know, and as and as arrogant as the world system thinks it can, it is to like literally provide challenge while they have their, their support from, their Faustian deal with celestial beings, I imagine there will be an opposing side because as darkness rises, the light will meet it. And that's the reality of the situation. There will be yin and yang equilibrium no matter what. So as a result, it doesn't matter how much power the world system gains for itself. It doesn't matter whatsoever. There will always be someone to challenge it. It doesn't matter. It always will happen and they will lose. And until, you know, of course, like, they all they end up wiping out their opposition because they will, but that's only temporary. That's only temporary. And then after a little while, a time, a times, and a half a time, they're completely screwed. And then they lose. Hello, well. And then that's it. We move on to the next, the next epic of this of this world, whatever I that is. Think that we already live in a World War Three, but instead of like a war with physical tanks, it's a war of information and it's a war on perception. If you see the lockdown, you know, you can't go outside the evening clock here. That's all things that happen in a war. I mean, let's say the character assassination of Trump, that's almost like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand with World War One, right? Or the annexation of certain territories and pogroms against people like, oh, let's remove parlor, let's fight against these kind of ideologies. That's in a still way that, school play yeah. though. That's still school play. 
Trump, like, seriously, Trump is just as bad. Trump served at the feet of the world system, too. Do you know how I know? Operation Warp Speed. Perfect example. We're getting rid of net neutrality. That's another example. A lot of people don't understand that the current, uh, I'll read it to you right now, biggest gun control bill in history targets the poor, will make millions of felons overnight. This is H.R. 127, known as the Sabica Sheik Firearm Licensing and Registration Act, introduced by Representative uh, Jackson Lee, Sheila Jackson Lee, etc. This particular bill, it proves, you know, and, and, and it literally is at a result, it comes as a result of the Trump administration. Red flag laws, for example, and that was actually part of the Trump administration. Red flag laws were a huge assault on the Second Amendment rights within the United States. So I don't care what anyone says. Trump is not a good guy. Trump is literally serving at the feet of the world system, just like Biden is. And he's literally nothing more than controlled opposition. Because we're going to give you the illusion of opposing sides, even though it's not. If you want to know where the true opposition is, it has nothing to do with you know the left or the right or Republicans or Democrats. It has a lot more to do with the Council on Foreign Relations or the Council for National Policy. Those two groups are diametrically opposed. However, they still serve at the feet of the world system. Everyone serves at the feet of the world system, including education, every aspect of it. There's no difference. All roads point to the world system and its desires and what it wants. Where do you That's place it. your focus or where would you place your hope if you want to, of course, start, start with yourself, like what you say, like uh, identities, values, uh, boundaries, those things, building yourself up. What is some kind of movement structure element that could provide a counterforce against these totalitarian globalist forces that you say like, hey, it's good to put some energy in this. Do you have anything that you think is constructive? Sure. There's only one thing you can do, and that's decide to opt out of society entirely. Opt out of the world system. Find a way to train yourself and teach yourself and to teach others so that you do not have to be dependent on the US dollar or dependent on anything that the, that the world system provides. And that you're basically being in the world, but not of the world system you're not actually plugged in unplug yourself go live in the wild live in a tent if you have to and be free a man is free when he chooses to be this is no different than what henry david thoreau did he got so upset at society he just literally made himself a cabin in the woods and wrote his iconic magnum opus civil disobedience and, and that, quite frankly is what's necessary and walden yeah and that's what's necessary we have to be willing to opt out of the world system because by opting out We're the ones who are setting ourselves up. We're the ones positioning ourselves for greatness so that when we finally may get, gain the support that we need, then it will be given to us. And then at that point, we will actually be able to challenge the world system later. Another aspect of that is to bring back the mature masculine and the mature feminine. A lot of people don't understand that. The mature masculine is literally a cult. You have to prove your manhood. That's the rite of passage. And then you are accepted by everyone else as a man and you are treated like one. And that's it. You have to produce more than you consume. You have to take care of yourself. You have to have combat skills, survival skills, fitness, etc. You have to help other men get to a point where they can produce more than they consume and get those same skills that I was just talking about a second ago. And then after that, they could talk about and discuss ways on how to like, you know, love life, etc. But with women, it's a lot different. They have to learn how to take care of themselves. They have to, uh, you know, if they want to have a career, have money, great. But 
it's not their main focus. They have to figure out what it's like to be a mother and what the consequences of that would be or the consequences of not being a mother. Also help raise up other women into those roles. And then they themselves can explore what it is to enjoy life, et cetera. But then it's something that in your community you run a lot of opposition against because people see it as a kind of patriarchal system or that women are oppressed or should be submissive towards men. I know you don't mean I don't it that see way. Why? Because like we're teaching women to reject men. Okay. We are empowering women to reject poor quality man children. And then and here's the thing, here's the problem though. Women enable women. Because women are afraid of criticizing each other. And women don't usually, in this culture, in this decadent Western society, they do not allow other women to criticize them. So then a woman is at risk of potentially being both fat and ugly or one or the other, etc., which means that she feels cheap, so she gives herself away cheaply. What the mature feminine is supposed to do is to teach a woman it doesn't matter if you feel cheap. It doesn't matter if you're fat or ugly or unhealthy or whatever. It doesn't matter. You still have the responsibility as a woman to refuse a low-quality man. And because you still feel alone and you still feel cheap, we're going to help build you up so that you could feel expensive, right? So that you have that beauty. You, ha you are taking care of yourself. You have all these things. We're, we, us fellow women are going to help you do that because all of us cannot and, re and must enforce that we cannot allow ourselves to give ourselves away cheaply to the man-children. And this is how the mature feminine can cultivate the mature masculine. That doesn't sound patriarchal as, at all because if it was patriarchal, that wouldn't even exist. Really, a woman always has the right to change her mind. She always reserves the right to change her mind. She always reserves the right to reject any man. That's it. And under, and of course, you're making argue for rapes, but like, it's not, not everyone's being raped. And most men abhor rape. I'm one of those men. And if we find men that are raping, well, they're dealt with harshly. The mature masculine deals with them very harshly. So the point is, women don't have to worry about the patriarchy if they're running their cartel their cartel of sexuality. They don't give away their sexuality to just anyone. I can make a whole other podcast about this, which is a bit you know, ironic about it, is that the whole thing about radical feminism bases success on masculine values. It's not feminine values. So they incorporate the masculine act like, see, I can do the same thing. And in the end, they might be successful, but a lot of women, they end up bitter and resentful. Or they... They miss out on having a family or finding someone, a strong partner besides them because you have a pergamy. They want to date higher up the status level. So in the end, it's not bringing what they want. And instead of like most feminists standing up for femininity, they, they incorporate the masculine and they try to do the same thing as men, be like men, act like men, and have the same standards of success as men. Yeah, well, feminism is not the mature feminine. Feminism is literally a construct created by an ENTP known as Edward Bernays, the same guy that convinced women that it was sexy to smoke tobacco, yeah, or the same guy who basically The helped, nephew uh, of Freud, by the way, for people who don't know. Yeah, the nephew of Freud. The guy who convinced people that Kellogg's cornflakes was going to inhibit masturbation in young boys. The same with graham crackers. Like, this guy literally created feminism in its current form. A man did it, not a woman. He also engineered the women's suffrage woman. A man did that, not a woman. My grandmother, she grew up in the Great Depression before that movement even began. 
And then she she's like, I don't understand what women are even making a big deal. In fact, that was just a very, very small vocal minority. And if you ask me, I suspect it was the masculine women, the STPs and the NTJs specifically, that bought into Edward Bernays' bullshit in those days. I don't think it has anything to do with the majority of women. And it's just over time, women have been conditioned via society, this feminine primary social order, to think that way, all as a result of Edward Bernays' influence. Again, it didn't come from women. It came from a man with an agenda, and they bought it. And here we are in this corrupt, decadent society. Yeah, you also talked about, about mass consumption. Then could the men only buy? Like, what if women also could buy? Like, two markets, more capitalism, mass consumption. So... Uh, he's one of the grandfathers of that movement. And now women show their solipsism by consuming more than men do, as they are naturally inclined to do so, which is not a bad thing. And they make up over 70% of the purchasing, mm-hmm. purchasing decisions within Western society. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's biological. I might even go as far, but I like thought-provoking things and, and saying thought-provoking things. I think we live more in a matriarchy right now because... The justice system, the education system, the speech system, the politics system, it's all based on these feminine or perverted feminine values, much more aligned with the matriarchal way of treating things and always prioritizing women than actually uh, prioritizing men and women. The paradoxical thing that I see is often that when men have to decide, they think in terms of what's best for men and women and their children. But what I see now when women are in charge, oh, they tell that men exclude them. And they themselves then exclude the men and create the old women spaces, women entrepreneurs, women, etc. So in a way, they complain about sexism, but in what they do, it's like extremely sexist and they exclude men. Well, sure it is. It is. This, it, again, this goes back to my point. Do not participate in this society. Opt out. That's literally all I could say. Opt out. Enable yourself so that you do not have to participate. I have no issue living out of a car or in the woods for the rest of my life. I have no problem with making that decision to the point where I even believe it's morally my duty to do so because I don't want to have anything to do with this society. This society, it is bullshit. This is, I, was, I was walking in Barnes & Noble yesterday looking at all the books, everything, and I'm like, wow. There's probably only 2% of this entire story is actually the truth. It's just bullshit. It's, it's a vanity. It's meaningless. This society is absolutely vain, and it is meaningless. Did it's you always know this or not? Because I actually had, and my FI child as an INTJ got triggered, an existential shock of the ignorance or ignorance and the stupidity of people and the easiness of brainwashing. I knew that it was there, but on this level, on this scale, with this speed, I'm still recovering from it. I never imagined that it would be possible. Did you know this was possible? Or did you or any hero saw like, yeah, this was bound to happen? Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate to have my mother shove down my throat the words of Solomon, King Solomon, when I was a child. And she hammered Solomon so hard into me because I could tell that she wanted me to be like him, basically. So she was like, all of his writings, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, which is his magnum opus before he died, Proverbs, the words of King Lemuel, which is, which is additional like appendices to uh, Proverbs, etc. And she was hammering that into me, and that's all she cared about. And then you could actually verify it with the book of James as well. But 
at that point, I mean, it, it just it just really exposes the entire world around you. I just didn't really understand how fake it really was until finally, or when they didn't find weapons of mass destruction in mm-hmm. Iraq, it was at that moment, I'm like, okay, this is complete and utter bullshit, and I'll have nothing to do with it for the rest of my life. At that point, I knew that everything was completely fake at that point. It was completely fake. And then because of that, I started questioning the 9-11 commission narrative, which mm-hmm. is also completely and utterly fake. So it's, it's all fake. Life is fake. This, uh, the system is fake. It's all fake. And, you know, anyone who challenges it, you know, you might not be killed now, but you might be killed about it tomorrow. You know, so like that's just the reality. When people listen to the podcast, they will see a lot of references and you have a very sharp mind about all these chapters in the Bible. I know you come from a religious family. How is your view? <laughs> yeah, it's a pastor's kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of people like Rolfo, the Emerson and Nietzsche and all these people, they are like the, and you also not, was his father also a pastor or not? I, I don't remember. Mm. I don't remember. But uh, how has your view of religion like changed and what role is religion playing in your life right now? Is it still like a strong foundation to give you some faith and hope? Oh, gosh. Religious people should hope that I never become the leader of the world such that I could press a big red button and then all of a sudden craters will exist where every Catholic church stands. Mm. You know, like, no, like I am, I am very anti-church. I am very anti-religion other than the true, the true definition of religion, which is taking care of widows and orphans. I do support that. But organized religion in its current form, I think it is a travesty. I, I will admit, though, like, I, I, do, I do enjoy some of the tenets of Mormonism. Most people will be like, oh, this is Chase. He's, he's admitting to being a polygamist. No, it's not about that. It's actually about the fact that Mormonism doesn't have the office of the pastor. And like when you go to their temple, anyone can talk, anyone can say anything, anyone can present. I find that fascinating because it removes the sophistry you know, that is within any other Christian outlet. Because Christianity, Christianity is a lie. Christianity equals the way, which is the way according to John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, plus paganism. Christianity is a pagan religion. You don't believe me? You can watch this old History Channel show called Vikings, etc., and it literally does a stark comparison between what the church was in the first millennium compared to what paganism was within the first millennium, and there's literally no difference. You know, thou shalt not make any graven image, thou shalt not have any gods before me, and yet you see these people worshiping at the feet of an idol of the Virgin Mary, okay? It is absolute twisted bullshit. I completely reject Christianity in its current form. It is a pagan religion, and I reject paganism as well, because paganism, in my opinion, is demon worship. So I will have nothing to do there. I mean, abortion itself, the concept of abortion is a form of demon worship. Temple priestesses would have sex with anyone that would come in to worship at the temple of Aphrodite and Corinth and whatnot. They'd get pregnant, they'd give birth, and those babies were thrown into an idol with a belly of a furnace, and it was the, and it was the, it was Moloch. You but know? during this podcast, you mentioned a lot of things that you see like signs or symbolic interpretations or meanings. So how, how do you combine this then that you think like it's pagan? I would wish I could destroy it. But during this podcast, you mentioned a lot of things that inspired you or that are like signifiers or symbols of things that are meaningful so for me what i do is is that i i spend time reading everything uh, i mean i even almost converted to islam for a bit i got pretty close to doing so 
then I realized I completely disagreed with Muhammad's subjective affiliative point of view because he's triple affiliative. And the whole idea that like, oh, I wrote things different within uh, the Holy Quran and Satan made me do it. And it's just like, wow, okay, so you're just literally, you know, holding a form of godliness while denying its power. Okay, therefore, I have to reject Muhammad entirely. And as much as I have to reject Joseph Smith of the Mormon church, because they're literally just add-ons. I mean, Islam, for example, likes to, at least early Islam, like to claim the gospels. They like to claim uh, biblical writings. But I have such problems with those biblical writings to begin with. And I'm like, so you're already building upon a shaky foundation to begin with? Because Muslims like to claim, oh, we have the greatest chain of custody. I'm like, yeah, you absolutely do have the best chain of custody. It's awesome. You have lots of credibility there. Except what you claim for your original source material is horrible. So it's built on a shaky foundation. So I have no choice but to reject Islam. Sorry. When you I don't quote, want to, when you but quote, I have to. When you quote the Bible, do you like to just use it as il illustration? Do you still see some powers in those teachings? Do you see it as a way to transcend, to to give people transcendental knowledge? Like in what way do you view then the teachings and the passages that you share from the Bible? My current belief system in its current form, and it could change depending on how much more read and how much more research I do. It's basically a combination of three things. I am a Taoist, specifically the form of Taoism as taught by Bruce Lee. So the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, especially, uh, and, and his philosophical writings about Taoism, I maintain Taoism for sure. But the thing is, is that I don't think Taoism and, uh, and the Bible cannot coexist in as much as Taoism and the Quran cannot coexist. It really can. I also maintain a belief system called Kellism. Kellism is actually a fictional belief system from the book Altered Carbon. It was created by Nadia Makita, also known as Kel Chris Falconer. Her point of view is it's basically an anti-transhumanist movement, basically. Because within the book, she created immortality via technology, gave it to humanity. Mm -hmm. And then she realized she made a big mistake and she was being depraved and she was being selfish when she created that technology. And then she devotes her life to destroying that technology and making man mortal again because she has effectively destroyed humanity entirely and realized she did something wrong. And that's effectively what Kellism teaches. So Kellism is anti-transhumanism, basically. And I am an anti-transhumanist in every way, shape, or form. The third aspect of my belief system is that people ask me, do you maintain that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And is his blood necessary for the remission of sins? And uh, yes, yes, I do. But that doesn't mean I'm a Christian because I, I will not participate in the pagan Christian church. I absolutely will not do that. I mean, you could say that I'm a wayist. The path of John the Baptist is probably more accurate. I so would in say. a way, the TI that you have also is very critical and try to mix up their own mind and combines things from different mythologies and religion and then incorporates what makes you have meaningful values. And in a way, it's also... in it. Uh, negotiation with truth and sayings and an individual choice or not? It's more of like trying to identify contradictions. Like, so for example, my mother would always teach me a concept known as sola scriptura. And sola scriptura means one scripture. It means that the Bible is the infallible holy word of God. It's not. It's absolutely not. Now, let me tell you what the word of God is, like what I consider the word of God. The word of God equals the words of the prophets plus the words of Jesus and then in parentheses, those two things in parentheses added together, minus biblical interpolation. Here's an example of biblical interpolation. 
in the book of Isaiah, for example, it talks about how Jesus was to be, or, or the Messiah is to be born of a virgin. The problem is, is that if you look at the original translations, it's not born of a virgin, it's actually born of a young woman. And that is known as biblical interpolation. Therefore, I completely reject the, the, the notion of the virgin birth. I completely reject it. Uh, I, I reject the virgin birth. I think the virgin birth is actually a pagan teaching because you go back to the mystery Babylon religion, which is the first religion on the planet that ever existed. Uh, the virgin birth actually came from after uh, Seth, the son of Adam, killed uh, Nimrod. Nimrod was supposedly reborn, born of a virgin with his virgin immaculate conception birth, basically, uh, of his wife, the queen of Babylon at the time. But then that was copied directly to the Egyptian pantheon. And then you have the story of Osiris versus Horus, et cetera. The exact same story. It's identical. And then you could see more idiosyncrasies between the, uh, the Greek pantheon with stories relating to Zeus, et cetera, and the exact same thing with the stories of Odin. And then when you have Jesus being hung from a tree and you have Odin being hung from a tree, Yggdrasil, et cetera, it also gives me pause. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that very early on, people, I maintain that there was a conspiracy, likely at the Council of Nicaea, because of the Nicene Creed, especially because of Constantine being Caesar at the time, of a pagan society wanting desperately for them to adopt Christianity. So they interpolated original biblical text to fit the pagan narrative so that all the pagans would adopt Christianity. And Catholicism is a pagan religion as a result. They literally took paganism plus the way and turned it into Christianity. And Christianity, in my opinion, is a farce, and it needs to be wiped from the face of the earth, in my opinion. It is a false belief system. You also sometimes say like everything that Everything that happens will happen again. And you sometimes say that uh, you believe in intelligent design because of all the layers. We didn't talk a lot about personality, but all the layers and the mapping sure. out that it seems to be some kind of design in it. What is your view then? Is like, is it a kind of cyclical thing that repeats itself? All that happens will happen again. And there's like layers. And how do you look at Big Bang evolution and intelligent design? I think if we're going to look at like how the universe works, we're going to take all that happens before will happen again, but within the, con within the construct or the context of Fibonacci growth. And then within Fibonacci growth, if we're going to actually analyze the differences between the timeline, basically, of existence itself, you could assume Pareto principle. So 80% of it may be the same, but 20% of it could be different due to the Fibonacci growth factor or vice versa. It could flip on either side. 80 the 80-20 could flip either way within you know this Fibonacci growth cycle, but it still is cyclical. All that happens before happens again. It's just, while it's cyclical, it's not linear cyclical, it's just growing in a different direction as it is cyclical. Because as I've explained before, the universe, there is no such thing as the Big Bang, it's bullshit that doesn't exist because you know concretely people can see energy going out that way, but they're completely uh, ignoring the metaphysical unseen side, which is you have via you know Taoism you have to assume okay you see the yang it's easy to see the yang but where can you you can't see the yin if you're traveling and here's a good example Einstein's theory of relativity if you're traveling at the speed of light you can't see anything because you have to traveling slower or faster than light in order to see you have to there has to be a difference there there has to be a variance and if there's no variance there's nothing literal nothingness nothingness so based on that you know the this is why i say like black holes and white holes are the jet engine of the universe 
black holes pull matter in. They're like pulling the universe forward, whereas white holes push matter out. They are pushing the universe, and is the, the and it is moving the universe in a direction of all possible causality. All right, all causality, all possibility. Right, and it's following a genome of possibility. And as much as epigenetics epigenetic science proves that every time we take a bite to eat, it changes our genes in real time. Okay. That shows us right there specifically as human beings that the universe is very similar to how our DNA works. It's following, it has its own genome, it has its own pathway of all potential causality, right? Everything at once. They say like the reality is what you perceive or what you look at. But when you sometimes see these uh, globalist, transhumanist people who want to hook us to technology and hack our perception, isn't that determining then our reality and that that becomes our perception and that we have fewer and fewer possibilities of actually deciding the fate of humanity and what the world will become because we are enslaved towards that same singular point of perception that is just centrally controlled? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could look at it in terms of NP types, NP types, especially INPs with their SI child, they are extremely, they're tabula rasa. They're very clean slate when they are born and uh, they, they will accept whatever program is written upon them, basically. And this happens consistently. And those people like Bill Gates, he's one of them. He's an INTP, he's an INP. And um, he used to be very tabula rasa. And it's so interesting to see that these tabula rasa people are the ones who are preaching Malthusian the quickest, Malthusianism the quickest, you know, or Fabian socialism. It's, it's, it's ridiculous and it's extremely common. They all have this point of view. They unjustify the means. Overpopulation is the biggest threat to planet Earth, which it's not. It's not. That's a myth. It's a myth. Like, Robert Malthus, like, it's a myth, folks. It's not true. The earth is rich because biologically, if there's not enough resources, people stop procreating. It's in our genetic code, folks, just like it is for the animals. So stop freaking out. Okay, yeah, sure. We need to be stewards of the earth and make sure that we're not, you know, causing a bunch of animals and species to go extinct. I get that. But at the same time, you know, we need to have a, a balance in there. People shouldn't be limited in procreating because they're going to limit themselves anyway because there's not enough resources. Yeah, you talked a lot about the value of suffering and the value of death. I don't know if you read the book, The Denial of Death by Ernest Becker. To live in the world, what makes us feel alive is also confronting death. That's what also makes us alive. But part of what happened in this year is that people can't seem to cope with death anymore, with, with f finiteness, with uh, risk, with potential danger. And for me personally, in my life, that's been the most alive, not saying the most happy, but alive, meaningful, fulfilling moments. And it's like people can't cope with that aspect in life anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's just like what I tell INTJ women who try to like have a sexual relationship with me. They're always trying to like look perfect and be perfect. And then I reject them and then they freak out over that. And it's like, look, I don't want perfect. I don't want the best. I want real. Real is where I feel alive, which means if you're an INTJ woman, you're trying to get with C.S. Joseph, then maybe you should be going out of your way to expose your flaws to me instead of like trying to look good or try to look perfect. I don't care about your facade. I don't care about any of that. I want real. A real woman is what I want, not this you know fake bullshit because a perfect diamond is fake. It's grown in the lab. It's worthless. A flawed diamond has the value. Okay. It's obvious. So 
I understand that. Men like me understand that. And uh, stop trying to look fake. Stop trying to be perfect because perfect is worthless. You could see that, you know, just like just like Carl Jung's book, Ion, which is the most important book. And it is the number one source for the four sides of the minds, which I haven't publicly admitted before. Ion is the number one source. The, specifically, the first five chapters talks about the four sides of the mind, although his nomenclature is a little off. But it's there. A very heavy book to read. <laughs> very, very heavy book to read. But, you know... You you could see you could see how how that plays out. You know you could see how there is that that light side, there is that dark side at the same time. You know that 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 Christ archetype, that antichrist archetype, playing out, especially within the age of Aquarius, which just started December twenty first last year, which also included the Jupiter Saturn alignment on the same day, which is also insanely rare. You know, like and I'm not an astrologer. People think I'm an astrologer. I'm not an astrologer. I'm not. The thing is, is that I understand that other people are astrologers. And I understand that this is how they set up their beliefs. And because they believe it, other people's beliefs affect me directly. So I need to understand what their beliefs are instead of just choosing to be ignorant, which is frustrating to me. You know, when I sometimes look at your podcast or I look at your videos, there's sometimes two kind of C.S. Josephs because sometimes I see you in interviews and you're like kind and hey, what's up? How you doing, man? And chilling. And sometimes you, maybe it's because being you and and you were like a long time labeled as an INTJ and couldn't be an ENTP. They're one of the most misunderstood types ever. Why do you sometimes get so much hate and get so triggered and harsh and resentful sometimes. I mean, even for me, sometimes it is because you get so much pushback and it's just exhausting to having to prove yourself while you mean well, you want to give people information to become more aware and transform their life. I'm just curious about those two sides because I, I see those two sides in you. Uh, it's because I hate reality. I hate reality. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I don't like life. I don't like reality. I don't like... I'm perpetually depressed basically all the time, but I don't let my depression get in the way of me doing my job. I don't get my, de my depression get in the way of me being productive at all. I mean, that's why if anyone said, oh, you know, C.S. Joseph, he committed suicide. No, actually he was murdered. He, I would never commit suicide. If I was ever to commit suicide, you'd see me like disappear and I'd randomly like show up in like Thailand or something being like balls deep in like 20 girls or something like that. That's, that's my idea of suicide, not this other bullshit that people have, like whatever. And, and what's the most heavy about like, life? The misunderstanding or the fact yeah. that yeah, 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 the misunderstanding. Like I've always been an outcast, like my whole life. I've been an outcast in my own family first and foremost. I didn't even have that there. I was an outcast in my church. I was an outcast at school, and then I and then I started weighing 300 pounds by the time I was 14, 15 years old when I started high school, which was also horrible. I weighed 287 when I was uh, 14. You know, it was just terrible. Uh, most I'd ever weighed in my life. And uh, do you hate that part of yourself? And that was like gaming oh, all the time. Oh, of course, uh, absolutely. But yeah, like I don't like society. I don't like reality. Like it's so funny because I've been watching this show called Vikings and learning about Ragnar Lothbrok, uh, who is effectively an ISFJ, and he's an ISFJ using his ENTP subconscious to strategically get his way through things. He's a very patient person and whatnot. He is effectively like what my ideal man would be uh, within the archetype, and it shows the archetypes of sure masculine, the mature feminine, all of the archetypes associated with that as well are present within uh, that story. And it gets to the point where in, in season four, where he's just completely disassociated and has cognitive dissonance towards life itself. 
completely disassociated because he's had everything forced upon him. He's forced to be king. He's forced to become earl. He's forced to uh, uh, to have additional sexual relationships on the side outside of his marriage. He's forced to, basically. And uh, there's just not much that he could do about it. And it's not that, or he's forced to uh, to murder a few people here and there uh, because, you know, for the greater good, et cetera. And he's constantly in this battle all the time. And I really identify with that. I really identify with being forced to take action or be forced to live a way that I don't ever really want to live because I mean the world system is not conducive to who I am as a person you know it's I, just I, not you, this society is you saw yourself as an INTJ I'm, I'm an INTJ we lived mostly in my ESFP subconscious when I was like young well, I identify a lot like a rebel with a cause an outsider looking in I, I thought there was so much bullshit you know so much hypocrisy at the same time I also have a part of me that I'm purposely sometimes putting myself always in that position and never giving people the benefit of the doubt. And I, I gave people the benefit and the doubt in the past and, you know, like SE inferior and paranoia about people. But I know sometimes that I put myself in that position and I don't have a very generous way of approaching people because of bitterness in the past. But I know also your community, there's a lot of people who love you, man, and like yeah. what you do, you know, and it, it's also a matter of not being possessed by certain roles we took in the past. I'm talking to myself partly, but I, I totally know what you, because a part of you is like fed up with the nonsense reality, maybe you want to live in your van. And the other part has like a rubric cube of invaluable knowledge you want to give to future generations. So that's difficult. Like which of the two do I want to give my focus well, on? If it if it becomes too much, then I'll just disappear and no one will never see or hear from me again. Like it is what it is, you know, and I have the same psyche as, you know, Bruce Lee, Malcolm X, Benjamin Franklin, Adolf Hitler, as well as uh, John the Baptist and Socrates. But if you look at Socrates and Malcolm X specifically, they're killed, you know, so it's very likely I will be killed. It's very likely it'll happen. To the point where I even expect it. I've made my peace with God, and I fully expect that my life will be ended at the hands of another human being. I just, I just definitely maintain that. But much to the chagrin of my wife and other people in my life, whenever I say that. But the, but the situation is, is that I just tell the truth, and I tell the truth regardless of the consequences. And eventually, you know, I, I expect to be killed for it. Like that's just it. I, I do. The thing is, is that I'm so like I don't have anything to lose. I have nothing to lose. I don't. I really have nothing to lose. Everyone's like, well, what about your children? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, my children are growing and they will become their own person, you know, and I've taken care of them and I do my fatherly duties towards them. But I may not be able to stop another person deciding to end my life when the time comes. And that's on them. It's not on me. I'm not going to stop telling the truth because, you know, for, for what? you know, for worldly desires and worldly passions, for meaningless things, for this vanity of this society. Mm -hmm. The society is vain. Screw that. The society is on the edge of absolute utter destruction. You mm -hmm. know, the, the likes that we've never seen, the greatest famine that we've never seen in history is around the corner. Economic collapse, which I imagine is going to happen in June of uh, this year, for sure. And I imagine that weeks and weeks ago. Absolutely. We are on the we are on the edge of utter destruction, and you know my life's purpose is extremely clear. It's very clear. It comes from uh, the book of Malachi, the prophet Malachi, chapter four, verses five and six, and it goes like this: You know, in the last days, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I will send my prophet Elijah to you, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, or else I will strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. 
Okay. So I may not be the prophet Elijah, but his mission is definitely mine. I will be seeing that mission through. It is the most important thing to me because in order to prevent absolute catastrophe in the future, the mature masculine and the mature feminine have to be brought back. That's it. Otherwise, we're going to lose everything and then we will all be slaves to the world system and the world system will completely own everything that we are. The world system is a disease. It is a cancer upon the earth that needs to be removed yeah, because this there is no such is thing as yeah. personal sovereignty. You know. Yeah, this, this podcast is also about thought-provoking perspectives, valuing freedom of speech and valuing freedom of expression according to your icy sort of truth. Why is freedom of speech... Why is no censorship? Why is speaking your mind, speaking your voice, voicing your ideas so important for everyone without a limit? Wisdom cannot come without suffering. And you cannot have suffering without conflict. So freedom of speech creates conflict, which leads to suffering, which leads to wisdom. And wisdom is the most costly, potentially most valuable substance in the cosmos, short of truth and love, of course. I imagine wisdom is beneath those because, you know, just because something is wise doesn't make it true per se. And I value truth above wisdom and I value love above truth above all. But I mean, hey, love can't exist if life is fair, right? And an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, right? But the difference is, is that wisdom is important. And this goes back to my mother trying to condition me to be uh, like Solomon, uh, like King Solomon, and realizing that wisdom is the most important thing. I mean, I used to like pray for girls and pray for money, pray for cars, pray for California, funnily enough, uh, pray for all these things. You know, when I was younger, when I hit 27 years old, I realized that that was like literally stupid of me. So I decided to never do it again. And instead, I'd, I'd pray for wisdom. I'd pray for humility. I'd pray for those things only. Or I'd pray uh, for me to be more forgiving to people because uh, I'd, pray, I'd pray for me not being so bitter all the time. You know, those are the things that I pray for now. And then since doing so, everything has gotten way better in my life. Yeah, you know, I'm suffering. Yeah, I'm perpetually depressed. You know, yeah, reality sucks. But it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, make a difference. I don't let those things get in the way of me fulfilling my mission, you know. And as much as Tony Stark's mission was to try to prevent something like Thanos from happening, he had to take full responsibility, and he did the finger snap himself in order to save reality. So it's interesting. I am a walking contradiction. I absolutely loathe and hate reality. I hate it. But at the same time, I'm working hard to save it, just like he did. How do you feel about having a Rubik's Cube or a Rubicon of potential knowledge that could help people social engineer society even more towards destruction it can happen the thing is though is that there's a concept known as mutually assured destruction and if you give everybody a nuclear weapon then it's likely that no one's going to use them i i definitely believe in that so i'm developing a technology right now uh, that's going to be available on everybody's phone in an, a mobile application. It'll be a fully new uh, social media platform, including uh, dating, business, career, tons of different features, etc. All from being able to identify someone's psyche uh, with 100% accuracy and the kind of accuracy where it's so uncanny that they can't believe that they never even saw how this even works. 
to the point where they will be able to psychoanalyze themselves and others and instantly know how a person feels, what they think, what they're worried about, what makes them most happy, what they're afraid of, you know. And I'm basically giving the power of Edward Bernays to every single human being on the planet simultaneously. And then by doing so, at that moment, they will always know when someone's lying to them, like politicians, for example. You know, And if everyone on the planet has that technology and that everyone is empowered mentally, imagine all the revolutions that will come as a result. Imagine all of the conflict. Imagine all of the suffering. Imagine all of the wisdom that will come as a result of that. You see, yes, I know I'm going to unleash something dangerous upon the earth. Oh, well. Because the result will be hearts of fathers will turn towards their children and the hearts of children will turn towards their fathers. That's what the result will be. I don't care if it brings death. I don't care if it brings suffering. I don't care because we need to suffer in order to be alive. We need to suffer in order to have wisdom. We need to suffer in order to be happy. That's just, that's the truth. For people who want to find out more, not about suffering, but about all the great work that you do with, uh, personality typing and uh, thoughts you share about a lot of topics, uh, masculinity, femininity, dating advice. Where can they find out more about you? I just go to csjoseph.life and then just click on the big personality test, annoying looking green button, which I despise. But for some reason, my advisors tell me because it's green like that, it tells people psychologically, it makes them happy enough to click it. Who knows if that's true? But yeah, we have our personality test and that's how you just kind of get started. Basically get started there and then figure it out from there. And then eventually you'll start to learn things. But like I said, I'm not for everyone. I usually piss off most people. I usually alienate most people, but I don't care. My job is not to get numbers. My job is to find the precious few, the one, because it is written, he who has an ear, let him hear. I'm looking for that person. I'm not looking for the masses. I'm not here to serve the masses. I'm here to serve the one. For people who want, or a message you could give to people in 2021, which will indeed be still a crazy year if people think it's over, wait until 2021 has ended. What is something that you would advise them to pay attention to or to work on in the coming year? They need to go out of their way to empower their own ability to opt out of society entirely. That means you need to take responsibility for meeting your own needs. You need to be able to just completely unplug. That means 100% self-reliance and self-sufficiency so that you can be free as a person and not participate within the world system. I advise you to not have anything to do with it whatsoever and just move on and be done. You know, like get away from it. That's really the only thing I do. And that's, that's a tall order. It's a hugely tall order. But if you actually spend the time, you'll realize it's a lot easier than you think. Thanks for that message, Chase. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast and wish you all the best with all your endeavors, whether it be online or broadcasting from your van in uh, the woods. Wish you all the best, Chase. Take care. <laughs> Much appreciated. Thanks. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a comment. And if you're a coach or consultant and you want to scale your online business or maximize your productivity, check out the show notes to find out more about Philip and his coaching programs. Rent over.